my dad had several Springsteen uh, vinyl records growing up, and he would he would play them occasionally. And I can't really pinpoint the first time, you know, like the the moments that I I heard Bruce and it changed my life or anything like that. I'm I'm sure I heard many of the songs growing up, but one moment I can point to is I will always remember I was in I believe eighth grade, and it kind of blows my mind thinking about my junior high now, knowing what happened there, and I'll kind of get into that. But when I was in eighth grade, I remember my math teacher put in greatest hits and this was you know right around the time greatest hits came out it was in the mid 90s and i remember hearing the sound of his guitar on born to run i can like vividly remember sitting in that classroom and like thinking his his guitar sounded so unique like i had never heard a song that sounded quite like born to run and i do remember like going home and i knew my dad had springsteen's greatest hits and i got it out that day and i started listening to it Welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me tonight is a fellow podcaster, um, a Bruce fan, and he just shared with me right before I hit record that he talks a little Elvis every once in a while, so we may have to get into that. Uh, with Matt Davis just dying, uh, that uh, there's a Elvis connection there. But uh, Ryan Drusty, Drusty, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. Appreciate you having me on, Jesse. It should be a good time. Yeah, so tell us a little about yourself. I uh, live in the great state of Iowa. I am uh, 36 years old, and uh, my day job is I'm a, a U.S. history teacher. I teach 8th and ninth grade U.S. history. Um, but then on the side, I um, I also do some writing. I uh, cover the professional wrestling industry for comicbook.com and really all combat sports as well. I, I do a little bit on uh, UFC there as well. Um, and uh, like you said, obviously a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, uh, also a big Elvis Presley fan. Uh, I do a, a podcast on the wrestling industry. It's called Top Rope Nation. It is through the Blue Wire Podcasting Network, and uh, I've been doing that for a little over four years now with two of my best friends, and that's been a lot of fun, you know, just kind of seeing that grow. And then um, I guest on an Elvis Presley podcast called TCB Cast. I'm kind of their uh, unofficial third host, I guess you could say, and I come on there every month or two, and uh, actually I'll be recording a show with them this weekend, so uh, you can look for that one soon as well. Very cool. Uh, please reach out to them that I would love to have them join me. Uh, on the podcast, um, I, I was recently told by a listener who is a new listener. He says, you know, you say you do a Bruce Springsteen podcast. I think you just do a podcast where you talk to people um, and the host just happens to love Bruce Springsteen. So I, I would love to have them talk about Elvis and share about their podcast. So please uh, try to hook us up and make a connection. Absolutely. I'll tell them this weekend. Yeah. All right. So, Ryan, I always like to start at the beginning. So talk to me growing up. Um, what kind of music did your family listen to? Did they listen to a lot of music? 
Yeah, both my mom and dad, um, really uh, musical people. I guess they gave me a pretty good uh, schooling on on the history of rock and roll and pop music. I, I would say growing up in my younger years, like elementary school, kind of into junior high, uh, it was a lot of 1950s and 1960s rock and roll. That's pretty much what I was raised on. Um, I also got really into Garth Brooks around that age too. Like everyone did. I mean, I'm talking like the early nineties. So sure, absolutely. Uh, late eighties, late early nineties. So I, I was really into Garth Brooks during that period. But, um, you know, as you would guess from that intro, I was a huge Elvis fan. Uh, both my mom and dad loved Elvis and I really gained an appreciation for, uh, for his music growing up. And he was, he was my all time favorite singer and it still is. I mean, Elvis and Bruce are like one A and one B for me. Um, easily that too. So my Elvis story, I have a couple. My sister adores Elvis. That is by far her uh, favorite entertainer. Um, and so when Chris, who's my son, we were talking before we hit recorded. He's now, you know, 31. But when he was like 10 or 11, um, we went on a extended family vacation. And the first stop we did was Memphis and we toured Graceland. And... I enjoyed it, but Chris was fascinated by it. The idea that you could not go upstairs in Graceland was like something that just scratched at him. And, you know, we bought an Elvis CD, and he, we listened to it on the rest of the trip. Um, he still, if we get in the car, um, he will jump in. You know, he will turn serious to the Elvis channel. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, he he has a wide range of music, you know, now. I mean, you know, he listens to a lot of different kind of music, um, specifically a lot of wrestling theme, you know, entrance songs that we will oh, talk nice. about in a there little bit. Yes. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's um, that's my Elvis story. He just adores Elvis. And uh, so we uh, I, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, sounds like my kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, did um, yeah. you know? And I, I have never seen this, but I've often talked about that. I I would love to find a really good um, Elvis impersonator and have them do fire, you know, mm. because Bruce wrote that for Elvis to see someone really do it well. I think that would just be a cool thing to do. Yeah, it's that is such an interesting story. Um, over on TCB Cast, they do what they call Song of the Week, and yeah. every week um, the hosts pick a song and you tell the whole backstory of the song, who wrote it, who they write it for, you know, Elvis in the studio, how did he work through that and everything. And um, one of the times I was on, I actually did fire. You can find that in the archives. And uh, I mean, like, there's there's no way to prove if Elvis ever heard it or not. Probably not. But uh, I mean, you can totally hear him singing that when you hear Bruce do it. Like, it would totally fit just just the way he, he sang songs. And in there is a... Um... There's an alternate universe uh, where um, the colonel allowed Elvis to be um, co-star with Barbara Streisand, mm -hmm. and you know the, a star is born, and uh, and that he, because of that he was in a little better health, took care of himself a little bit better, and that he did get that, and that um, we got Elvis doing fire, and it and it it hit the charts. I, I like to think of that world. Yeah, same. It's 
it's really i mean it's it's too bad you know everyone knows the story but uh i think i think colonel parker for him early in his career you know he made a lot of good connections for him but he definitely kind of i would say by the 70s he was holding him back creatively and it's super unfortunate you know what happened there one of the things i like about tcb cast is um the podcast really uh, it concentrates on the the movies and the music it, it doesn't dive too much into the uh you know, the, the scandals and, and the drug use and, and just the over the top, you know, personality of Elvis. It's really more focused on him as an artist. And I think that that was something that was, uh, really, really missing in the coverage of him over the years. I think just growing up an Elvis fan, you know, like you, you see this guy that was such a, a groundbreaking mus- musician and just so ultra, ultra talented. You know, he didn't write his own music because a lot of people that era didn't write their own music, but he certainly was involved in, um, kind of, crafting the songs and producing the songs how he wanted them to be and you know they were oftentimes much much different than the originals and uh just i don't, I don't think he gets his due as as a creative force in music and i think that's what uh justin gurdip over at tcb cast and myself when i'm on we try to uh you know really talk about that side of his career i want to i'm going to check that out i don't know if you've ever listened to um andrew hickey's the history of rock and roll in 500 songs I have. They've actually done um, a little bit of. Uh, they've done some collaboration. Andrew oh, has uh, had. Nice. Ha- he had Justin Gurdip from TCB Cast on his show, and he has been on theirs as well. Yeah, it's yeah. super, really well put together show. Absolutely. Well, he was nice enough to visit with me, and I, I was going to, in case you had not heard, he because I asked him that question about Elvis and doing, um, you know, a Star Is Born, and he. He, you know, gave his theory that Elvis, he thought, was actually had underlying health issues and may not have lived um, that much longer anyway. And one of the questions I asked him, I said, when I listen to your episodes where you talk about Elvis, by far, Colonel Parker is the villain in the story. And um, Andrew said, yes, absolutely. In my mind, he is the thing. And I think you make a valid point, right, that maybe early in the career he was doing things. But um, he made decisions like Elvis would have loved to tour Europe and never had the chance because the colonel didn't want that. And uh, so, um, yeah, I'm going to have to check out that podcast as if I thank you. You know, like I'm already running out of time doing stuff, but I will have to check that out. (laughs) Yeah, Um, sure. You so you you're loving Elvis. Um, how did you find Bruce? So my dad had several Springsteen uh, vinyl records growing up, and he would he would play them occasionally. And I can't really pinpoint the first time, you know, like the the moment that I I heard Bruce and it changed my life or anything like that. I'm I'm sure I heard many of the songs growing up, but one moment I can point to is I will always remember I was in I believe eighth grade. And it kind of blows my mind thinking about my junior high now, knowing what happened there. And I'll kind of get into that. But when I was in eighth grade, I remember my math teacher put in greatest hits. And this was you know, right around the time greatest hits came out. It was in the mid 90s. And I remember hearing the sound of his guitar on Born to Run. I can like vividly remember sitting in that classroom and like thinking his his guitar sounded so unique. Like I had never heard a song that sounded quite like Born to Run. And I do remember like going home and I knew my dad had Springsteen's greatest hits and I got it out that day and I started listening to it. 
Um, but you know, then as I, as I got through high school and everything, it wasn't something that I was constantly going back to. Like I would, I would listen to it occasionally. And then when I was in high school is when the reunion tour happened. And then when live in New York city came out on HBO right after that, I do remember watching that with my dad, um, you know, still living, I was still living at home at the time. And we watched that. And I remember him telling me, you know, like how, how Bruce was this legendary live performer and, um, you know, I, I kind of knew that I would say from that point forward, like I was really amazed by live in New York City, but it, I still didn't get the bug like as hardcore as I would until I was working at a Best Buy in college. And I, this was around 2003, 2004. And I worked in the music section with I did video games, music, computer software, that area. And I would often stock the music DVDs and I would always put out uh, live in New York City, which I'd already seen and um, like the MTV Unplugged. And I guess at this time, Barcelona had just come out. And I remember thinking, you know, I should pick up one of those. I, I know Bruce is like such a great live performer. I was starting to get into watching music DVDs around that time. I should pick up one. And I was thinking about it for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I finally did pick up live in New York City because I hadn't seen it in a few years. And I started out watching it, just watching the hit songs. I hate to admit it. <laughs> and then then I started going back through and, and, you know, listening to the songs that I didn't know as well. Yeah. And I'm like, man, this guy is good. And then I, I started just kind of going down the rabbit hole where I was researching him on Google. I came across the Backstreets website. And uh, I think I made a post on there at one point. Like, what's the best way to take in, you know, like the whole catalog? And everyone said start at the beginning. So I around 2004... I started buying all of his albums in sequence. You know, I got greetings and I listened to it for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then I got Wild the Innocent and listened to it. And I just went through in order and just kind of took in the whole catalog. And I mean, that's what did it. <laughs> I, I was I was hooked. I, I started looking into the bootlegs and I remember uh, on the Backstreet's forums, there were some members that were nice enough to send me my first bootleg albums. They're like, oh, you're going to love these. And they sent me... um Winterland from the Darkness Tour, obviously like the legendary bootleg. That was the first one I had. And, you know, the minute I heard Prove It All Night from that bootleg, there was no turning back. Like I had to see him live. I had to see him live as many times as I possibly could. And I was trying to get all my friends into him. And it was just like uh, I I had the sickness. At that can, point. can you articulate why his music I, spoke to you? Definitely the lyrics. I mean, I know that's the the, the cliche part of it i think i also just really like when i would watch the dvds the way he plays the guitar with so much emotion you know in his sure. face really Absolutely. drew me in um but i think just the lyrics i think just the way that i was going through i feel like i had the experience of a fan in the 70s 30 years later because i was taking in you know all the albums in order reading the lyrics as i went like i would listen to those songs over and over and just really study the lyrics and I just felt like he just had, I mean, I was, I was into classic rock and then, you know, the fifties and sixties stuff as well, like I sure. said. And I just, I, I don't know, like he just wasn't like anybody to me. I felt he was so unique. He had such a unique sound. I remember the first time I bought Born to Run. Um, this was, this was actually in 05 now because my sister was in college and she was going to the University of Iowa. And um, I live in Cedar Falls, which is about an hour and a half north of there. And I would go down on the weekends for Hawkeye football games. My sister was living in the dorms. And I remember 
I was listening to Born to Run in my car, and it was the first time I had ever heard Backstreets, I believe. And um, as I'm driving down there, I'm like, the intro of that song with the piano just blew me away. And then the way how the band comes in and that song just hits, you know, and I got to my sister's dorm and I went up there with the CD and I said, you have to, you have to listen to the song, Suzanne, you have to hear it. And we listened to her in her dorm room and she blared it. And like, I don't, I don't know. It was just something about the sound, even like the, the sound of that guitar, his unique guitar. I mean, that, that hooked me back in seventh grade and it, it stuck with me. Uh, the thing I was going to talk about, about uh, that junior high, by the way, I kind of left off with that, is uh, so years later, my first teaching job, um, the the person that hired me, the principal of that school, was my ninth grade U.S. history teacher at that junior high I went to. Yeah. And so I didn't even know it at the time. But as we started working together, I forgot he was into Springsteen. <laughs> and so we became friends and like we went to concerts together. We went to the show at Wrigley Field in 2012 together. Um, and then he told me all this stuff about the staff at the junior high, like the teacher that I heard play Born to Run, where I was like, man, that's such an awesome sounding uh, song. He told me about that. And then there was a science teacher that I had uh, at that junior high who grew up in Freehold, New Jersey, whose older sister dated Bruce. Oh, OK. <laughs> like, what are, what are the odds? You know, like I'm, yeah. I'm growing up here in, in the middle of Iowa and. Like I I had no idea at the time I learned that years, years later, 20, you know, 15 years later that my uh, my science teacher in junior high, her older sister dated Bruce. (laughs) Just crazy when I look back on it. That is very crazy. Um, Gosh, so much to ask. So (laughs) let me start here. I always like to preface the amount of time. I always like to say the amount of times you've seen Bruce live is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. Um, so many circumstances drive how many times you've seen them. Your age, your economic situation, where you live, this different thing. So you mentioned at least one show. Uh, for the record, do you know how many times you've seen them? Yeah, I've seen them 17 times. Um, that count, One of those was um, a show during the 2012 campaign okay. when he uh, did some of those like six song acoustic sets. Yeah. Uh, that was in Ames, Iowa in like October of 2012. So I don't know if that really counts. I see him. Yeah, 16, it does. Like, yeah. I think you shows, got to but... count. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think it has to count. Yeah. Um, so. Very cool. Did, um, as a teacher, do you throw in Springsteen references somehow? Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I play them, um, whenever I can, I, I have, uh, the, like the large photo of the live 75 to 85 cover that's up in my classroom. Um, I had that up in my college apartment. And then when I got my first teaching job, I'm like, that is definitely going on the wall of my classroom. And it's been up ever since at every teaching job I've had. So the kids always ask, uh, I'll play him in class when the kids are working. Um, and then in history, there's been, there's been instances where I, uh, you know, like I can bring in his songs cause it's about something like I'll, I'll be teaching the great depression and I'll play Tom Joad, for example. Exactly. You know, I've done that. I've done where I'm teaching the Vietnam war and I played born in the USA, you know, inter- I'll be talking about protest songs and I'm like, now this didn't come out like during the war, but it's related to the war. And it's also one of the most misunderstood songs of all time. And I always give them that whole spiel. And we talk about how that connects to the war and the aftermath and everything. So yeah, I def, I've definitely used him in the classroom. Um, I always do a nine 11 
every single year. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like being a history teacher, you have to do something on September 11th oh, because absolutely. the kids might not get it otherwise. Sure. You know, um, it's not it's not part of my curriculum, but I always yeah. cover it, and I'll play three or four songs from The Rising. Yeah, I I just sent you as we're talking, right? I sent you a couple of links um, a couple of months ago, longer than that now. Um, Ken Campbell, history professor at Monmouth, um, there was an article about he's doing an American history through the music of Bruce Springsteen. And uh, so he joined me, and he talked about the curriculum. It's an upper-level course, um, and they, much like you have required reading, you had not only required reading, but required listening. And so this exactly same thing you're talking about is um, he was using the music to talk about, like, the Vietnam War and other things through American history. So you you might check that episode out. It was actually pretty cool. Very cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. Um, so – Stories from the shows. Uh, you've said it, you know, like how was the – like I would think it would be so much fun to go to a campaign rally. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Um, by that point in time, I had seen him live several times. I, I remember at the time there there wasn't like a lot of notice from what I recall. Like I found out about it just a, a few days ahead of time I feel like and I it was during the week I had a teaching I was teaching and it, this was when I was working for that principal that was a big Bruce fan as well. Yeah. And uh I remember I turned in my request for a personal day. I'm like, "You know why this is happening?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Yeah, go for it." So I went down there and at this point I had already taken my wife to a couple shows and we'll probably get into that and you know her fandom of bruce um but her favorite springsteen song is the river and at that point she had never seen him play the river i had seen him play it but it was before i knew her and he played the river at that show and i had tried to convince her to go and i'm like he'll probably only play five or six songs but it'll be really cool uh, I think she was maybe out of personal days or something, and I couldn't convince her to call in sick. So I went with my friend Jeremy, and he played The River, and I called her during it and held up my phone. And I'm oh, like, you should have came. Oh, how nice. <laughs> you should have came, yeah. But she did eventually see The River live um, during the uh, the 2016 tour when we saw him in St. Paul, and he did the you know the full album. So. Well, I, you, you mentioned you've listened to the podcast a couple times, and thank you for that. But, you know, that is where the name came from set lusting is mm-hmm. because when you're not at a show and you hear they're playing a song that you've been chasing or a rarity, you quit set listing and you're set lusting. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I know, bet she knew that feeling that that's awesome. Was she a fan before you got married or did you convert her? Total, totally converted her. Um, <laughs> I, let's see, we started dating in 2010. So she just missed out on the work on a dream tour um i had gone to some shows i guess it would have been about six months before we started dating and uh you know as she got to know me like i would i would play live dvds once in a while or or videos on youtube i'm like you have to see him live like we all say right like when you see him live you will get my obsession and so we got married in 2012 and when they announced the the wrecking ball tour the first leg of the wrecking ball tour like in the spring of 2012 I was floored because I don't know if you'll remember this, but there were absolutely no concert dates in the upper Midwest. Like he always plays St. Paul. There was no St. Paul show. He always plays Milwaukee, Chicago, uh, you know, Kansas city, 
St. Louis. Living in Iowa, I'm like right in the middle of all of those sure. places. I can get to all of them in, you know, four to five hours. And so I have an opportunity usually to see them at a lot of places. And I couldn't believe it when those tour dates came out that uh, there was nothing within four to five hours. And especially St. Paul, because he always plays there. The closest show was in Detroit, Michigan, which is about a 10 hour drive or so. And, uh, I remember telling her like, this is, I'm sure he'll tour in the fall. We're getting married in July. Maybe, you know, but I would like to take you to a concert before we get married. We could do this. You know, I'm, I'm willing to do it if you are. And she was willing to go. And, uh, this became quite the trip. Um, if you have time, I'll tell it. Cause no, no, uh... please do. Cause, <laughs> because I need to tell you my story and my listeners are probably going, Oh, Jesse, don't tell the wrecking ball tour story again, but I have to hear it. I may cut it out. Uh, I edit this out, but I have to tell you. So please tell your story and then I'll tell mine. <laughs> okay. So this was so wild. So it seemed like this show, you know, I bought the tickets. We had great tickets. Uh, lower level, side stage, really, really great tickets. I think I think I'd upgraded them through a ticket drop, if I remember right. And so the plan was, I actually cleared this for with her before we recorded this because I knew I'd tell the story. I'm like, has it been long enough? I can tell the true version of the story. Okay, yes. This was the time I did convince her to call in sick to work. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> so. The way this worked is, you know, that's a pretty long drive from where we are. So we were going to leave after she got off work one night and we were going to drive to Chicago, which is like an easy four hour drive, stay the night. And then the next day we only had like, you know, five to six hour drive to Detroit. Okay. Got it, Ryan. So it seems good. All right. So the, the catch was that after she got off work that night, she had a meeting at her, at where she was working. And so we got the car all packed up, right? And we have bags in the, in the back seat and everything. And so I drive her to the meeting and I waited in the parking lot for her to come out and we were hitting the road to Chicago right after she got out. So she gets in the car and I turn the key and the car has died. <laughs> and I, I was not like using oh, battery no. power. I was not using battery power or anything. Like it was just dumb luck where like, it was she had had that battery for five or six years or whatever, and it it just died yeah. at that moment. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me! But you know, like I've paid for the tickets, the yeah. hotels, it's all prepaid on Hotwire or whatever. So her boss comes out, <laughs> and we ask her boss if he'll jump her car. So yeah, he, he jumps the car, and while our bags are in her back seat, like yeah. clearly visible. Yeah, exactly right. Like <laughs> she's calling in sick the next day, yeah. right? Okay, so we get the car started, but the problem was because the battery had died, the keys were stuck in the ignition. Oh, no. So I'm like, you know, I can't, we can't drive. We got to go get a new battery. So we go to like an O'Reilly's Auto Parts, I think it was, and we buy a new battery and they come out and they put it in for us and the keys are like jammed in the ignition. They will not come out. I turn off the car. They won't come out. I'm like, I can't leave my car sitting in hotel parking lots with keys in the ignition. So we take the car to a 24-hour service shop. Now, the time is ticking. Like, we still got sure. a four-hour drive to Chicago. Yeah. You know, it's, it's becoming 8, 9 o'clock at night. We go there, and the guy's like, all right, so it looks like you need a new ignition. Oh, no. <laughs> he's, he's using graphite on the keys. He's like, he, he can't get them out. I'm like, are you sure this isn't just like, you know, because the battery died, they just locked, we can't, like, reset it. He's like, no, you need a new ignition, something happened. I'm like, what are we going to do? And I called my parents and yeah. 
my younger brother who was off at college, his car was still at my parents' house, and they agreed to let me drive his car to Detroit, Michigan. Okay. <laughs> so we hit the road at like after ten o'clock at night. And I mean, yeah. we drove to Chicago. We got there two to three o'clock in the morning, got almost no sleep. And then we were on the road the next morning to Detroit. So that that easy trip that was yeah. going to be driving to Chicago overnight, easy drive the next day while well, we were driving till like 3 a.m. Um, the kicker is we get home from Detroit after the show, which was, was an awesome, awesome show, by the way, like sure. totally converted her like you would expect. Yes. Uh, She's seen them five times since then, uh, but that was the first concert. We get home. We go into our, our garage. Guess what? The keys came right out of that ignition in her oh, car. Oh, no. Pulled them, okay. pulled them right out. <laughs> oh, that is greatness. All right, so yeah. um, real quick, uh, same thing. You know, um, I Wrecking Ball Tours announced coming nowhere close to Dallas. Nowhere close to Dallas. And... My wife and I had been discussing we wanted to take a vacation, just her and I. Uh, we had, you know, we, we, we'd gone on vacations with other couples. We've gone with the boy. And we're like, you know, it's time for just you and I to go somewhere. And we were debating on what we wanted to do. We were talking about renting cabins and doing everything. And um, in 2011, my father had died. And he uh, was buried in... Um, right outside of Fort Knox, Kentucky, at the Veterans Cemetery there. And so I said, okay, I got a plan, Linda. She goes, okay, what's the plan? I said, all right, um, we want to go to see my dad's gravestone. You know, we haven't seen that yet. It's now out. I said, and um, Bruce is going to play in Cleveland, Ohio. I said, so we could go to Kentucky, see my dad's gravesite. I said, when we were there for my dad's funeral, she had picked up a brochure about the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. I said we could do three or four visits of the distilleries at the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. I have a good friend who lives in Columbus, Ohio. We could see Charles and Laurie, have dinner with them. And then a really great friend of mine, Tom, lives in Cleveland. We can go to Cleveland. Tom will let us stay with him. He'd thrill us. We can see Bruce, go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, then drive back do the rest of the bourbon tour and come home she says absolutely great let's do it and that's what we did and we called it our bruce and bourbon tour nice. um it um you know um and this was only the second show she'd ever seen she had seen him in 2002 at the rising tour and that was the first time i saw him but she didn't know any of the songs right like i mean mm -hmm. she you know uh, working on the highway, he may have done, um, and you know, of course, Born to Run, but she she didn't know any of the songs, and um, so we both like I started walking so that I would be uh, less winded. I'm not someone who likes exercise, so I was wind walking, and then she got the Wrecking Ball CD and listened to it over and over again. And then I and I gave her other songs that he may play, so that she would know what was going on. And um, so when we came back, you know, we had a great time, and we fell in love with the Kentucky and and that that part of Kentucky and the and bourbon distilleries. So when he came back, like you said, after leaving Europe, like okay, he's touring again, and I I called her at work. I'm like, okay, Bruce is in Louisville, <laughs> buy tickets. 
So yeah. we drove back up and then saw him in Louisville uh, for, you know, the second half of the Wrecking Ball tour. So, yeah, absolutely. Nice. Uh, that's that's great. Um, with The only thing we did close is we went um, – we after we did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame all day – and we decided, okay, you know, we, we spent the day with Tom and we met his, we saw his parents and we said, okay, we're going to drive a couple of hours heading toward Lexington and we'll, you know, we'll get a hotel room and then we'll get a fresh start in the morning. And so we were driving and we were talking and we we're listening to music and Linda's like, are you tired? No, I'm not tired. And so we drove all night through got like in lexicon like at five in the morning four thirty in the morning and linda's like you know if chris did this i would have his ass that you know this is so <laughs> stupid we've done this all night but you know we were we were just enjoying you know visiting and everything then the hotel would not give us a reservation they're like your reservation for tonight i said well technically it is this day no, no checkouts in at three i'm like <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, I see three or four reservations that no one's picked up. Yes, but what if they show up? I'm like, who's going to show up? You did. <laughs> so so we yeah. ended up having to find another hotel room. And, and the lady's like, okay, I'm not charging you for tonight. Just go. I'm going to tell, okay, I was housekeeping not to wake you up. So uh, <laughs> so not quite as fun as your trip, but it was, it was a memorable trip. Wow. Um, yeah, so that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was it was quite it was quite the story. That yeah. summer my wife um she surprised me. She took the the ticket stubs from that Detroit show and um at our rehearsal dinner for our wedding, she actually made had that custom made to be like the top of of the cake. Oh, how really cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. That's neat. That is very neat. Uh Bruce song in the reception? Oh yeah. Um our first dance was Happy off the of tracks. Nice. And um uh, in our slideshow, we had Tougher Than the Rest. Very nice. Dance the Thunder Road at one point as well, I know. Um, oh, that's I think very... Secret Garden. Yeah, I mean there was there was a lot. I remember I do remember the DJ at the end of at the end of the night, you know, I was a few drinks in. Uh yeah. <laughs> I remember I, I had told him to play another Bruce song and I remember him kind of joking like, eh, another Bruce Springsteen song or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Like yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Look, dude, yes it is. That's that's great. <laughs> Um, yeah. another story from a show because that one's pretty. That's tough to. That, that's, that's tough to talk. Right? Yeah, that's tough to talk. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so I, I was thinking about um, you know who I who I went to most of the early shows with yeah. before I met my wife, and you mentioned Bruce and Bourbon, which made me think of this. So in college, yeah. two of my best friends, uh, Jeremy and Micah, we would get together every week almost, and we do what we called Bruce and Beer, where we would drink a bunch of beer and watch a concert DVD, whether it was the official ones or the bootlegs. I had a lot of them yeah. and like every week we'd watch something different. And, um, I would say I converted both of them into being big Bruce fans, especially my friend, Jeremy, me and my friend, Jeremy went to so many shows together and hopefully we will again. Um, yeah. but, uh, this was like, Oh five. So I had just missed when I really got into Bruce, I had just missed the rising tour and I kicked myself for years about it because you know, when you look back now, you know, it was only four years between the Magic Tour and the, and the Rising Tour. But, like, 
I had just gone into them in like oh four, so it yeah. felt like the longest wait ever to see the E Street band. And I that's why I hit so many shows, like because I'm I was telling myself, All right, when they tour again, I'm going to as many as I possibly can. And the first show, so I had thought about going to the Vote for Change tour like at the end of 04, but that was really before my friends also got into them. That was pretty early in my fandom of, or my hardcore fandom, I guess you could say. Um, and then in 05, I had thought about going up to Minneapolis to see them on, on the Devils and Dust tour, but it was like really late notice. There weren't many seats left. Right. And I didn't know about drops or anything at that point. So I didn't go to that. So the first time I saw him was with my sister and my friend Jeremy uh, on the Seeger Sessions tour in Des Moines. Oh, nice. Um, that was the only show I saw on that tour. But then the Magic tour, I I went to, gosh, I don't know how many. Let's see, six six or seven. Six, I think six shows on on the Magic tour. And, like, my buddy Jeremy, who was involved in the Brewster beer, Bruce and Beer routine, like, he went yeah. to almost all of those shows with me. Um, my buddy Micah went. My mom and dad went to a couple of them. Uh, yeah, it was... I revere the Magic Tour. Like, that That was such a great tour for me, just to finally see the right. E Street Band. I, I actually still personally think that that's his best album of the 2000s, like, even ahead of The Rising. I love right. that album. Um, kind of a hot take there, I know. But no, 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 it, that... I agree. I, I, I absolutely agree. And it's a modern classic. Um, yeah. The, what I love about the story, right, is you're proving what I've often said. A um, couple things. One, um, I, I had a guy on oh, last year one time, and he talked about he saw Bruce during the time of the Landau article. Like he he isn't saying he was there that night, but that time frame around that time, and he he looked at his girlfriend at the time and said, "We're never going to see this guy." ever this close up or this cheap again and as he was telling the story he says and i just regret all the shows i didn't get to see like when he was just starting out like you know what we didn't see and that made me come up with the theory that no matter when you find bruce you regret all the shows you didn't see right like this guy you could say he's been seeing him since 70 you know 75 you know He's seen tons of them. The other story I give Ryan is um, in football, like if you miss the extra point, it seems like you chase that point the whole game. Right. That's what I feel like a Bruce show. Like if you miss a show, like you're you're now chasing that show. You'll never catch up because you know I, I you know I didn't get to see him on the Rising Tour, so therefore I'm trying to catch on. Um, the Back then, when Magic and working on a dream, uh, when he, he came to Dallas and he came to Houston, it I had not reached the point in my mind where, like, well, you know, if he's not coming to the Dallas area, you could drive to see him. And, in fact, we had that discussion. I, I told Linda, I said, just once, I'd like to go to more than one show, a tour. And she's like, well... Do you want to do that enough to give up Dragon Con, which is a big pop culture in Atlanta every Labor Day mm -hmm. weekend? I'm like, 
yeah, yeah, I give up Dragon Con. So now I make the joke that if if Bruce is touring, I don't go to Dragon Con. If he's not touring, I get to go to Dragon <laughs> Con. And this year, unfortunately, I got to do neither <laughs> because yeah. of the COVID. Yeah. Uh, um, so I, I just want to be change the subject just for a little bit. Talk to me about Top Rope Nation. Talk to me about your podcast a little bit. Yeah, so um, I had always wanted to start my own podcast. And in fact, when I was in college, I majored in electronic media for a couple of years, and I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, but the the field uh, of like audio and video production, the uh, the the job opportunities are like very scarce, and I got a little bit worried about finding work out of school. I was able to parlay a lot of the classes that I did for electronic media into a journalism minor, which is why I do a lot of the writing on the side now. Uh, but I love the audio aspect of it. I loved like performing on microphone and I had been covering uh, the wrestling industry for many years. I started doing this in high school uh, and, you know, at the time unpaid, but like writing as much as I could about it. And I was involved with some websites in like the mid two thousands. It was really before podcast took off but they were doing like online radio shows and i did a few of those and i was really pushing this website to you know we should do this like weekly and they were kind of hesitant and then i i stopped writing for that website and i kind of got out of um, writing about wrestling for a long time and then around 2014 i started doing a lot of freelance writing for various websites um i did a freelance article for Sports Illustrated, um, whatculture.com, inquisitor.com, uh, all kinds of websites. And then I eventually started my own website, and it was called Top Rope Press. And I ran the site for a, almost four years. And within that website, I decided, like, this was the vehicle to launch my podcast finally, right? So we did Top Rope Nation was the tie-in with the website. And it was a ton of fun. And I had a writer on staff named Kyle, who um, now is one of my good, good friends. And he had he had done a little bit of podcasting before, like in college. So he had experience in that. And then my my friend Justin, who I had known since I was in high school, was actually from the same area I am, also a big wrestling fan. Um, we all just kind of got together and started the show. So like me and Kyle started it and we did it for about six months. And then at one point I needed a sub host and my friend Justin had been like a diehard listener and would always give me feedback. I'm like, Hey, you want to just come on the show? And he did. And, you know, he fit right in, did a great job and we kind of just made it a trio. And, um, so pretty much since, uh, the summer of 2016, you know, we've been doing at least one show a week. Um, for, for a few months, we did two, two shows per week. Um, and been doing it for a long time. And I guess it was earlier this year, we got signed to be part of the blue wire podcasting network, which was really, really exciting for us. It's, uh, like one of the largest sports podcasting networks, uh, growing in the U S right now. Um, they have like Greg Olson from the NFL does a show on the network. Um, Ian Happ from the Chicago Cubs, Megan Rapino from soccer, They've got uh, all kinds of names on there. I think they just signed a, an official deal with the Baltimore Ravens to like produce their official podcast. So it's like, it's just a, such a great opportunity for us to get our show out in front of more listeners. I think the biggest, the biggest or the hardest part about doing a podcast is, you know, finding the listeners, uh, especially in the wrestling industry. There are so many wrestling podcasts. Sometimes it's kind of hard to, you know, stand out from the bunch. You have to, you get big interviews or, you know, have, you have to have the personality or break news that nobody else is talking about, you know, rumors on what's going on backstage in the wrestling industry, that kind of thing. So 
I'd say like growth has been the biggest challenge, but we've seen steady growth now for several years. And the, you know, the most important part is we enjoy doing it. And, you know, us three that do it, we're good friends off air too. And I, I think, or I hope that, um, that real relationship that myself and Kyle and Justin have, that it really comes across on the air. And I think that's what makes our show such a fun listen for people. Yeah. I've, once again, I'm repeating myself and I apologize listeners, but, um, when I first started this, when I started doing podcasting, um, you know, Linda was like, I don't get it. Like, why would anyone want to hear you talk? And I'm like, oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> but um, I said the important thing, and her brother, Ralph, uh, grew up in the heyday of the 60s with, um, you know, the the teenage garage band, right? And mm-hmm. he did all that, and he said that, you know, if he had anything – if he had, if he could do anything, he would show up on Sunday with a bunch of buddies, just plug in their amps and play music in the barn to an audience of none, just to enjoy themselves. And I said that's what this is to me, and um, and I enjoy talking to guests. I enjoy talking Bruce Springsteen and music with a, a variety of guests. So I like people to listen. I, I want to be more successful. I want to have more downloads. Um, you know, I, I but. Mostly, this is just about me getting the chance to talk to people and and kind of you know share my passion for Bruce and his music. Why wrestling? Why just have you always been a fan? Yeah, I uh, it kind of came from my dad. I I grew up watching wrestling with my dad, and I, I would say most of my life I've watched it. There's been a few periods where I kind of fell out of it, but I was still like kind of keeping up with what was going on, either you know through friends at school or the internet later on in my life. Um, but, uh, I just, I've just always been really fascinated by the wrestling industry and you know, like the workings of it and the creative aspect of it. I know like for some people, they just really don't get it. Like, why do you watch something that's not real? Well, it's, you know, it's a performance. It's like why you watch a TV show or yeah, a movie exactly. or, or like sometimes a good comparison is like figure skating, right? Like it's a performance that you're kind of grading in your mind. Like what makes a great wrestling match? You know, I think wrestling at its best is one of the great, great American art forms. And, uh, you know, I, a lot of my friends were into wrestling growing up. Um, you know, being born in the mid eighties, we kind of lived through the heyday of Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage and Rowdy Piper and Andre. And then, you know, later on when I was in high school, it was The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin and all of that. So like two really big kind of boom periods for wrestling. And uh, no, I mean, I, it's just kind of always been a part of my life. And um, I always kind of wanted to to do something, you know, like to to uh, either be involved in the industry myself or cover the industry in some way. And uh I guess, you know, just kind of through some connections that I made and friendships I made, I, w- yeah. I was able to get opportunities in writing about the industry. And, you know, it started out on very small websites and eventually like some bigger websites until, That's you know, neat. I found myself today writing for CBS Interactive at comicbook.com yeah. covering wrestling. So it's it's been quite the journey. But, uh, I mean, to, you know, make a little bit of side money covering something I've watched since I was a little kid is it's pretty exciting. It's fun. So um, when I told Chris that I was going to talk to a Bruce fan that also did a wrestling podcast, he said, are you going to tell him our WrestleMania story? Are you going to tell him our WrestleMania story? So this is for Chris Jackson. Um, so um, Chris adored, you know, always from the moment. He loved 
Goldberg, and I mean, you know, he was born in '89, so you know, this is his, you know, the early '90s, you know, mid '90s, his go-to period. And we live in Dallas, Texas, and WrestleMania 17 was going to be in Houston at the Astrodome. And he's like, oh, I would do anything, anything to go to WrestleMania. And I'm like, okay, tell you what, you get straight A's on your report card, we'll go to WrestleMania. You promise, you promise. So um, I bought tickets immediately. You know, I look over at Linda, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to. He wants it this much. We can do this. We're going to go. Um, so he tells the story to this day about us driving down to Houston. Um, it was the first time he'd gone to a Hooters to eat lunch, dinner. <laughs> um, you know, we watched um, – we watched uh, – the Rangers had just signed uh, Alex Rodriguez – so we were watching a spring training game, you know, in the hotel room. We went to the whole, um, you know, the the pre sh- the the big show beforehand. I forgot what they call it now. Access. Yeah, yeah, access. Yeah, yeah. So he did that, and he's got a picture of him in front of the Undertaker's bike, and um, and we're and he's like, so we're there. It's so crowded. It's so crazy. And he's like, Dad. Can I shoot the finger? Yes, you may shoot the finger. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, man. And, and uh, you know, Stone Cold turns heel. Um, and just he he tells that story. And, and about every couple of years, he will, after he's had a couple of beers, Dad, Dad. And he'll pull it up on YouTube and, like, we were there, Dad. We were there. <laughs> so that's our WrestleMania uh, story. That's awesome because that is arguably the greatest WrestleMania of all time to a lot of people. I don't know if you know that or not, but that is that show is like really high, highly regarded as one of the greatest events they've ever done. Uh, yeah, I, I I understood that after the fact, yeah. right? Uh, and you know, and he had a blast. He he enjoyed it, and so um, and as I said, um, he probably listens um, to. Um, Rest, you know the the wrestlers theme songs and their their interest music all the time on his that's what would play most on his phone uh so uh that's that's awesome it. yeah um so and uh everyone saw and you know there are things that we do um when he was looking for he had started he had graduated from college and he was working for the same company i was and uh he was up for kind of a promotion and he's like you know dad i've been doing my job um, you know i'm looking for some money and so i pulled up uh from the seeger session pay me pay me my money down mm-hmm. and so i played it he goes that's it that's it dad and so now then anytime we're up he's up for either of us up for promotion or you know it's annual review time he'll send it he'll send a link pay me pay me my money down <laughs> um nice and then um anytime he's feeling uncomfortable or, or feeling self-doubt um because he, he had showed us the undertaker you know miniseries they just had mm-hmm. and with triple h going remember who the hell you are Remember that that phrase, and so I'll do that to Chris a lot. So, um, yeah, we <laughs> life lessons from pro wrestling. There you go. There you go. What can you do? What 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 do you want to do? Where do you want the podcast to go? What are future plans? 
Um, I would say just um, we'd like to do more in the way of um, interviews, really, which Mm -hmm. is what you do, you know. I mean, uh, just getting more people from the wrestling industry on the show. Um, Wrestling kind of has this reputation of being like this very kind of secretive, closed off industry. And it still kind of is that way. They are more open with the media than they used to be. And I I get to talk to a lot of. I've interviewed several WWE stars for written articles over on comicbook.com where I write, um, but it's a little bit harder to get them to open up these people to do audio interviews for podcasting. Um, so you kind of got to get on like um, they have like a media list and you got to get on that list kind of where they'll, they'll send you the stars, you know, to get them on your show. And I'd like to do a little more of, of just kind of interviewing some of these bigger names from the wrestling industry on our show. Uh, we do a lot of stuff as far as like, you know, we talk about what's going on backstage. We know people in the, in the company, you know, so we can kind of talk to what's being discussed backstage for like creative angles on te- television moving forward. And we do a lot of like retro shows where we look back at, um, older moments from like the eighties and nineties on wrestling. And we have a ton of fun with that stuff. But I think that the area for growth for sure is just to do more in the way of, uh, of interviews. And we've had some people on, like we had Jim Ross on a few months ago and that oh, was a nice. ton of fun. Yeah. That was a great interview, but definitely I'd like to do that more, you know, like that, a couple of times a month. Oh, that sounds cool. That sounds real cool. How did you end up getting on the TCB cast? So I had, I was just a listener and uh, Justin, who hosts the show, uh, I, I had seen him post on this uh, Elvis fan forum over the years before. So I was kind of familiar with him before he launched the podcast, uh, you know, like similar to Backstreets or Greasy Lake in the Bruce community. There's the Elvis um, for Collectors forum. And I'd been on that pretty much as long as Backstreets. And uh, he had made a post at one point that he was you know, going to launch the podcast. And I remember I sent him a, a DM on there saying, oh, I have some experience podcasting. I'd already been doing Top Rope Nation for a couple of years. And I'm like, you know, if you, you know, if you ever need any help, let me know. And I listened to the show for the first several months. And he had just kind of offhand said on one of the shows that his co-host, Gurdip, was going to be out the next week. And I kind of thought in my mind, all right, this is my chance. <laughs> so I sent him a message. I'm like, well, if you're looking for a guest co-host, I, I wouldn't mind coming on. And How I've been fun. a listener. You know, I've been a listener since episode one. And he's like, yeah, definitely. So I came on, and I guess he thought I did a good job or I fit in really well. And I'm, I've been on it many, many times since then. So that's, it's yeah, that's a. I really, really look forward to doing that one. Yeah. Um, you know, with Top Rope Nation. I love doing that one too, but I also do all the back end stuff. I produce it, I yeah. mix it, and I mean, you know what that it's it's yes. a lot of work. I like coming on TCB Cast where all I have to do is just talk about Elvis. You know? Yeah, it's that, fun. yeah, it's that fun. sounds really nice. Yes, I yeah. I I I absolutely uh, know what you're saying. Um, <laughs> the um, my... People don't realize, like, mixing a podcast, how much work goes into that. It is a lot of work. Underappreciated, I think. And and as I talked about, right, like, I do not do a lot of editing for that reason, but I do clean up the beginning. You know, you add in the intro, the outro. Um, and a lot of my time is uh, prospecting and finding guests and coordinating guests and making sure that – um, and I, I do it with a lot of I love. I mean, it's what I uh, do. But, you know, I, I have a Google calendar that has all my guests 
spots and I have an Excel file like, okay, who have I scheduled to talk to, what time, and, uh, you know, have I edited, Have when is it going to upload, and what's my calendar? So, yeah, it's um, it, it is, it's a labor of love, but it is labor. Yes, for sure. Yeah. yeah. All right, so back to Bruce. Uh, you've kind of mentioned a little bit of songs that uh, you played at your wedding, but uh, songs or albums that mean a lot to you. I would say uh, definitely that Born to Run and, and Darkness mean a lot. I, I'd say that Darkness is my favorite album, and I think probably because you know I was I was in college when I was getting so hardcore into Bruce, and I mean like like any college student, I think uh, you know you have a lot of ups and downs in your relationships throughout college, and I just felt like uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town. I just connected to that album at, during that point in, in my life on so many levels so well that uh, it that one just really means a lot to me. I think I think Born to Run was the album that um, when I was going through, you know the lineage in order. I think that was the one kind of like where I shared the story about backstreets that really pulled me in and hooked me on the music. Um, but I, I think from a personal c- connection, certainly darkness is right at the top. And then also just magic, because I look back on, on magic as being, you know, that's the tour that where I finally got to, you know, experience the E street band. And that was the album I was waiting years for, you know, when's the next E street album coming out so I can finally see them, you know, like, I will always have such great memories of the Magic Tour and that album as well. So I would say those three are, for me, like the biggest connections. Do thoughts on um, the latest two songs? Oh, love them! I yeah. I, I think uh, I, you know, I was I was really excited to hear the E Street Band on on record and like such a uh, kind of guitar driven song. Uh, right off the bat, you know, like it's it's the classic E Street Band sound, and uh, I th- I think the uh, the negative obviously is that you know if we would have heard this any other year, we'd be thinking, all right, like we've got a tour coming. <laughs> now yeah. it's just like, how long do I have to wait for that tour? Time's ticking, kind of yeah, thing. You absolutely. know, the band's getting older, and uh, I think that you know from what we've heard so far, which is the two songs that have been released, I, I think they'll translate well live. Um, and I'm, yeah, I've listened to them and, you know, the videos, I think, I think it's, uh, it's good stuff. Ryan, have you got a chance to listen to the E Street, I mean, the, um, E Street Radio, kind of his DJ sessions? That is something I haven't really dove into so much yet. Um, I actually just got access to the online listening. For whatever reason, I would always renew my Sirius and... You know, I would, I was always trying, I'd always try to get a deal on it, yeah, you know, sure. and I get the, I'd get the good deal for like six months or whatever, but they would never include the online listening. And I yeah. finally have the online listening, so I need to go back and I know they're all in demand, so I yeah. need to listen to them. Um, I ended up calling uh, when he was talk about the wrecking ball tour he was opening there at the apollo right and they were gonna do mm-hmm. it live and like a day before okay how much is it to have online listening so can i can listen because on the pc and so uh that's good that's awesome yeah uh, um what when he tours again from your mouth to god's ear um are there songs you haven't heard live that you want to hear 
Yes. Uh, Streets of Fire has been on my list oh, for nice. a long time. And <laughs> I mentioned my friend Jeremy earlier, who I've gone to a ton of shows with. And we went to the show on the Magic Tour in St. Paul. The second one in St. Paul uh, it was March 16th, 2008. And I remember I tried to convince my friend Jeremy to go the next night, St. Patty's Day in Milwaukee. And, you know, we were both in college at the time or just getting out of college. And it was it was a lot, you know, to buy tickets for two two nights in a row, hotel, all that. And he was hesitant. So we didn't go. We only went to the St. Paul show. And sure enough, in Milwaukee, he played Streets of Fire. <laughs> I've been chasing that one for a while. That's that's up there. Um, I've seen Prove It a lot. I was so pumped when he brought back the 78 version of Prove It All Night. And. I mentioned my boss at my first teaching job that we went to the Wrigley Field show together. Well, he went to both shows at Wrigley Field. I was only able to get tickets to the second night. And as people may recall, on the first night, I think it was the first song of the show, he did prove it with the 78 intro. And I was not very happy about that, (laughs) (laughs) that I missed out. And, you know, I saw him, I've seen him play Prove It since then, including on tours where, like, once in a while he would do the Darkness style, but he never did it at any of the shows I was at. So I'd love to see that in person. I'd love to see Streets of Fire. Um, I think those are the two that I haven't seen that, that really come to mind. I've been lucky in that I've seen a lot of the songs that were rare like right off the bat um the second time i saw the e street band i saw incident and like this was in 07 it was still pretty rare at that point in time and um i was also at the uh the famous st louis show in 2008 and there was tons of rarities at that one Uh, i i i never thought in a million years i'd ever see him do drive all night i loved drive all night ever since i first heard the river and i think at that point in time he had only played it yeah like once or twice since the river tour and he's played it many times now, you know, obviously since, but to hear that in 08, I was like, I remember seeing Bruce going around the stage, like doing the driving motion with his hands because it was a sign request. And I couldn't believe it when that song kicked on. So I I think I've been really lucky in the shows that I have seen, like seeing some of the rarities that I would be on my list, but those are the ones that come to mind that I, I would be chasing on the next tour. All right, so Ryan, what have I not asked you that I should have? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, let's see. Well, I was trying to think if there was anything else about the live shows I was gonna throw in. Um, I actually pulled up all of my my concerts on uh, my boss time just so I had all the set lists in front of me. Very nice. <laughs> I, this podcast brought to you by my boss time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, actually, here's here's a funny story. So sure. I thought you might ask if I'd ever talk and if I'd ever talk to any people in the wrestling industry that were Bruce fans. Oh, and, absolutely. I've heard Mick Foley is. Oh yeah. And Mick I Foley's and I would I would I would I would love to have Mick Foley on the podcast and talk Bruce. I mean, I would like. I'm sorry, Mick. We're not going to talk any wrestling. I, I would probably have to tell him about when Chris once again stood in line to have us. He pulled the sock off his foot so that Mick would sign it, <laughs> Mr. Socko. But anyway, yeah. So yes. Well, if I ever get him on Top Rope Nation, I'll okay. I'll send him your way. All I'll right, sounds great. Very nice. Yeah. No, he is. He's a huge fan, and uh, 
Uh, Michael Cole, who's an announcer on WWE, is a, a very, very big Bruce fan as well. Um, but the one that comes to mind, and it's connected to that St. Louis show, is um, in the summer of 2008. It was actually the same day uh, I had gotten tickets to the St. Louis show. Right. Uh, th- there's a wrestling hall of fame here in Iowa that uh, brings in a lot of big stars. It's called the the Luthez George Tragos Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And I go every year. And that year in the summer of 08, Brett the Hitman Hart and Rowdy Roddy Piper were here. Oh, nice. Yeah, and so Bret Hart was my hero growing up in the wrestling industry. That and, movie, the documentary in the shadows, right? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, wrestling I just, with shadows. Yeah, I adored that for the longest time. Chris, was like, that's your favorite wrestler? Is I go, I guess he is. That is my favorite wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I yeah I loved him, and over yeah. the years, um, I kind of got to know him a little bit in a oh, roundabout nice. way. We talked on the phone several times, and then when he came to town for the hall of fame in 08 um we met up at the hotel bar and i sat there for probably three to four hours drinking beers with bret hart and roddy uh, that piper that is cool that is so amazing. cool and so i think i had read an interview where bret had mentioned bruce or something one time and i was pretty jacked about going to the show in st louis the next month and then i was also going to harley fest in milwaukee like a week after the st louis show and but like I said, I had gotten the St. Louis tickets that morning. Then that night, I'm drinking with Bret Hart and Roddy Piper, and I I I mentioned to Bret like, so I you're you're a big uh I think I read somewhere you're you're a Bruce Springsteen fan, and he said yeah yeah, and I I told him I got those good tickets for St. Louis the next month, and he he asked me about that, and then I said you know, like ha- did you ever have a chance to meet Springsteen? And he told me a story about Bam Bam Bigelow, you know, who was from Asbury Park, New Jersey. There's actually a photo out there of Bruce with Bam Bam Bigelow at a wrestling show. Um, he said that he was out with Bam Bam one time and across the bar was Bruce. And um, Bruce, he said Bruce was looking at him like he kind of recognized him or he could tell that like maybe he recognized him, but he wasn't sure for sure. Maybe maybe he knew who he was, but he wasn't sure. And eventually, like, he called him over and they talked to him a little bit. So he told me the story about meeting Bruce. And I thought that was cool that, you know, my hero cool. growing up was a big Bruce Springsteen fan, too. Th- that is a very cool story. That is so nice. All right. Before I let you go, I got to ask you the Mary question. So for those of you, this is your first podcast. Welcome. Uh, but to catch you up, uh, Jay Armstrong, who has been on the show multiple times, is an honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area. And once uh, every year, his seniors, um, during the school year, they take two days and they break apart Thunder Road as a poem. They go through all the lyrics. Um, they talk about the imagery of the song. They talk about the themes, uh, compare, compare it to Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken. And at the end of the two days, he looks at his class and says, does Mary get in the car? So Ryan... As tradition on the Set Lessing Bruce podcast, your question is, does Mary get in the car? So there's so much pressure on this question. I've been thinking about this all day. I was even talking about this with my wife uh, just after dinner tonight. I'm like, so what do you think about Thunder Road? Does she get in the car? She looked at me like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, all right, I'm going to play it. So I played it on the Alexa. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> like, so what do you think? And, uh, you know, she's she's heard the song multiple times. We never really thought about it like that. Right. Um. I was looking at this in two different ways. So just the way that Bruce has talked about the song over the years and it being kind of like, you know, the welcoming to the album and yes. 
it's hard to imagine that she wouldn't get in the car, right? But then I, I feel like you can make this work either way. So I was looking at it in the form of like a longer form story on the album itself. And so like, okay, so let's say that she does get in the car. So then what's the next song on Born to Run? 10th Avenue, right? And 10th Avenue, I guess, is kind of a song about how he's kind of frustrated a little bit, um, maybe professionally. And then it's the story of the band, right? He's kind of talking about the growth of the band. So he goes from having this night out with this girl in Thunder Road to in 10th Avenue. Now he's, you know, he's back to trying to make it as a rock and roll singer. But then you get to night and then on night he's talking about, all right, he's at his nine to five job and he can't wait to get off and go see this girl, which could be Mary, you know, from the first song, who knows? But then, you know, like he's still not making it in his rock and roll career. And then you get to Backstreet, which is kind of like a song about, you know, like a broken relationship. They're having this heart to heart conversation. And uh, maybe he's kind of explaining to her that or he's he's given her the long story which is ultimately going to lead to he's he's going to leave. He's got to get out of here. He's, he's just not making it with his band or he's not making it with his dream. And then you get to Born to Run and he leaves. And then, but then he's still thinking about her. And then you got She's the One, right? Maybe I need to go back. And then you get to Meeting Across the River and Meeting Across the River is, you know, like he's kind of getting to this shady underworld. <laughs> and But he, he's still got to get back to that girl. And that's what he does, you know, when you get to Jungle Land. So I guess the question is, is it the same girl throughout Born to Run or are these different girls? <laughs> but um, I, I think you can make that narrative work either way. Like if she doesn't get in the car, I think the narrative still works. And it, it's a different girl maybe that he's going out to meet once you get to track three with Knight, you know, and maybe he meets that girl and that girl leads into uh, leads into Backstreets. I don't know. Maybe that's a little deep. but No, uh... <laughs> I, I love that answer. That is a great answer. I've never had that answer before. So absolutely great. Wonderful job. I would say, though, if if uh, if pressed, I'd say she got in the car. OK, very good. Very nice. Uh, Ryan, this is great. We're going to have to have you on again. Uh, yeah, that was a lot so, of fun. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts you want to share? Um, I mean, just, you know, check out Top Rope Nation. Any of the listeners out there that are that are into the wrestling industry or have ever been into it, because like I say, you know, we talk about classic wrestling as well. Um, search Top Rope Nation on any of the podcasting platforms. You can find us, the, the show's on Twitter, also at Top Rope Nation. And then uh, yeah, check out my friends over at TCB Cast if you are into uh, you know the history of Elvis's musical career or his movie career. They do a lot of good stuff. I will be on that show, uh, I think, the next two weeks as well. So uh, Very nice. You, you want to hear me talking about Elvis Presley, Check out upcoming episodes of the TCB cast, and, and you can find me on Twitter. It is at Ryan Droste. That is D-R-O-S-T-E. Very nice. Uh, Ryan, I, I thank you so much for taking time to visit with me. I had a blast. This was so much fun. Uh, we will we'll, we'll have to have you back on again when, we, when the new album comes out, and we've got the documentary, and hopefully... Uh, sometime in 2021, uh, we can meet at a show. That would be great. I'd love <laughs> yes. it. All right. Listeners, you, please stay safe. Remember to social distance. Wash your hands. Wear an effing mask. And be good to each other because God knows we need to be. For now, thank you very much, and we'll talk to you soon. 
This podcast would not be possible without the support of my wonderful patrons. I want to say thank you to Mary Thomas, Terry Smith, Dale Hosek, Elizabeth Brunson, Stephen Malio, Anna Lynn, Steve Rogers, Hollick McMillian, and Chris Bloom. All of you are wonderful people. I appreciate you so much, and thank you for supporting the podcast. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listing Bruce. Set Listing Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.